Hey friends. So we recorded this episode in January, which now it feels like a lifetime ago. Not really. But now that COVID-19 has us all safe in our homes, which means we're quarantined, what better time than now to dig a little deeper with God and wrestle through some of his commands, which one of them being go and make disciples. So it's not exactly how I pictured releasing this episode would be, because how are we supposed to go? What does that even mean? So join Carrie and I as we sit and chat about what it looks like to go. And what does that look like for you? I just want to encourage you to sit down with God, to give this episode a listen, to open his word, to be in prayer and sit down at his feet and to wrestle with how do we go now in in quarantine life. Hey friends, you're listening to Always Working Mom podcast, where we believe all moms are working moms. We want to encourage and strengthen all moms, working moms, stay-at-home moms, mothers-to-be, women that desire to be moms, and everyone in between by sharing personal stories from mothers working hard everywhere and gospel-centered resources. Together, let's humble ourselves and listen to one another's stories and grow our empathy for each other. Listening will help us focus less on our differences and more on supporting one another. Because if we can come together on the small things in life, then we can come together on the big issues. I'm your host, Vivian Knox, career mom of two little ones and chips and salsa lover. Hey, Carrie, how are you? So good. Yay, I'm so glad that you're here today. We've already been chit-chatting a little bit, and I just... I'm so excited to actually hit record on this, Um, and I hope that whoever's listening just gets something from this, because I know already from the few minutes we've been talking already that I'm just gleaning on just your wisdom and just how the Spirit is just so alive in you. Mm, Thank you. Um, So those that don't know you, um, you you and your husband are full-time missionaries. Mm -hmm. You guys have been abroad in Berlin, and now you're back here in the North Texas area. And so tell me why. Why why Berlin and, and why you're back here and why missions? Yes. Why? Let's start with why missions. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, it's, it's who we are. So we believe that missionaries are not above any other follower of Jesus. It's just some sort of title that we've been given. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are actually back in our home country as missionaries after spending about five and a half years in Berlin, Germany. We felt the Lord call us back in about 2012 to Europe to minister to um, Muslim immigrants So our time in Berlin, Germany was mostly ministering to Muslim refugees. Mm -hmm. And we visited um, Texas this summer for the second time since we had moved to Germany. And um, 
really just felt an invitation from the Lord to um, move to Texas as missionaries, as people that, you know, as a family where our job is to minister reconciliation and be ambassadors of Jesus here in our home state. I want to know more about what that looks like doing missions here in the DFW Metroplex. Um, We're in the Bible Belt. I grew up, you know, outside of Houston. It was very normal for everyone to be Christians. Mm -hmm. It was very... And I even grew up in a a diverse um, demographic where there were a lot of other religions. And so I'm thankful for that. There were a lot of different race and Mm -hmm. ethnicities there. However, it still was very common culturally to be like, I'm a Christian Mm -hmm. and I go to church on Sunday morning. And... And that was normal. So what, I mean, what does that even look like to do missions here? Because we live in a place where everybody, I'm doing air quotes, are Christians. Yes. I think the even the term Bible Belt can kind of have this negative term with those of us that live in the Bible Belt, Mm -hmm. because we understand the idea that many people call themselves Christians, but they're not. Mm -hmm. Meaning they call themselves Christians, but they're not following Jesus. They Mm -hmm. don't know His ways and they don't obey His ways. So when we were here this summer, we just saw a great need um, and kind of this awakening, um, our brothers and sisters, to the fact that it's it's more than a culture. It's more than saying you've always been a Christian. It's actually some doing that goes with that. Um, there is a way to follow and obey the commands of Jesus. And we feel and felt an invitation from the Lord to come back specifically to minister to the church here in North Texas. So for us, it looks like... Um, sharing the gospel with our brothers and sisters, yes, to them, but also with them out on the streets or in certain locations that the Lord leads us to. It looks like um, us ministering to our brothers and sisters in the church, um, helping them overcome fear, helping them overcome anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. These are things that we saw like in massive amounts when we visited this mm. summer. And it broke our hearts for our brothers and sisters living here, um, if I'm honest. And and we saw a great need among, among Christians, among the church in North Texas, and mm. really felt um, an invitation from the Lord to come and minister, yes, to the lost, but also to our brothers and sisters in the faith. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm the worst at remembering where in scripture, but right when you're saying that, it's making me think of Jesus um, was just tested, you know, Mm -hmm. was it three days? I don't even know. Oh, (laughs) future me will pop in and correct me. Um, But, you know, he's being tested by Satan and then the angels come to minister to Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved that one part because it's like even Jesus needed needed a moment with God, right? Yeah, and when we think about Paul, a lot of his ministry was going back to the churches and Mm -hmm. reminding them... This is the way I remember I taught you this before, just reminding them, putting them back on track. And it's not that we feel like we have anything, you know, better than our brothers and sisters here. We just really felt a strong invitation from the Lord to come back and minister to the church here. Yeah, I like that. What are your biggest struggles as a mom in missions specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you handle them? 
That's a really good question. Um, I think when we were living in Europe, I would say that my biggest struggle was comparing my life as a mom who moved three kids to a different continent for Jesus to um, moms that I would listen to podcasts or um, blog, read blog posts or you know anything like that. I, I was comparing what our convictions were in um, Europe to what other people's convictions were and people that we, we trust look up to, that they inspire us by their own faith. For instance, we lived in a capital city in Europe. We lived in Berlin and our kids had smartphones Mm -hmm. because our kids traveled on public transportation alone in Berlin and they needed a way to contact us, but they also needed a way to see like, when when does the next bus come? Mm -hmm. Is the train late? Yes, it is. Okay. How, what's the next route? You know, they needed that. It was a Mm -hmm. need for our family. But I remember reading um, something by someone that I, you know, looked up to, and it was talking about all the reasons why Christian parents shouldn't give their kids smartphones. Mm -hmm. And I just wept because I was like, that's not fair. You know, we need this in our family. And and then I just remembered, and we talked about this um, earlier, about there are opinions, Mm -hmm. there are convictions, and then there's doctrine. And we can't misplace those things. When yeah. when convictions become doctrine, that's when people can get hurt even, you know. So um, I think that was a struggle, overcoming, comparing my life and what God had called our family to, to other people whom I really looked up to. There were not so many struggles when we were living in Berlin. Coming back here, living as missionaries, like completely on mission, sharing the gospel. And I feel like the biggest struggle we're trying to overcome now is the busyness that's going on um, in the Metroplex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult to gather people for prayer and for worship and, mm-hmm. you know, um, in our homes because there's so much activity yeah. going on here. So I would say the biggest struggle since landing here, which was just um, a little over two and a half months ago, would be the busyness and just the way that life is structured Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, it's different. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's harder to be doing missions here in Texas than it is, say, to be doing it overseas? The reason why I ask this, and I know I've already said this to you privately, but is that my thought process on missions is it's hard to do it here because my fear of man, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to do it here because of my idols and my pride. Whereas I could let all that go and go somewhere overseas for two weeks and I can go up to a stranger there because it's not weird. It, yeah. Right? Like, I don't know. Um, Something we talk about because we've received, and when we were living in Berlin, we received lots of of teams from America. And you mentioned fear of man and fear of man is a, it's like number one in the reason why we, we see Americans not sharing the gospel. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because I think that there's a uniqueness in people who've overcome fear of man in the scriptures. Um, 
there is the command to fear God, Mm -hmm. but it's not that he's going to, you know, be this horrible disciplinarian father. That's not what it's talking about. We understand fear of God because we understand fear of man. And fear of man is really this consumption Mm -hmm. with the thoughts of what people are thinking about me. Mm-hmm. What if I do this? What will they think about me? If I say that, what will what will they think about me? And when we switch that, when we overcome that, and we have the fear of God, it's what does He think about me? What does He think about the things I say? What is He thinking about my actions or my my actions? What I say? Mm-hmm. And when we're when we're more consumed with what God thinks about us, which the Bible tells us, like He sees us. Um, through the eyes of how he sees his son, we're not afraid. We're not afraid to go out and share the gospel. We're not afraid to go out and tell of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? So I do, going back to the question of, is it harder here? There are different difficulties here in Texas than there were in Germany. In Germany, we ministered to refugees, so there were many different languages that we had to learn little bits and pieces of. We never became fluent in all of the languages, but um, there were struggles there that we don't have here. We can very clearly in our, what we call mother tongue, in our own first language, share the gospel here. Mm -hmm. So we see that as like, you know, it's like a, a springboard into sharing the gospel. It seems easier for us having been gone for almost six years and then coming back and being able to share the gospel in our own language is a luxury. Yeah. Um, but people do, you know, I think the struggles here are kind of what I mentioned before this, like, go, go, go. People don't have the time to um, stop and have a conversation with you at Target or um, in the carpool line at school, you know, um, it's trying to find the space. And in Europe, we could talk, people traveled by public transportation. So we were on a train with people. We were on a bus with people. We, um, we would go to places where they're just not in that busy going from point A to point B all the time, you know? So for us, the struggle there was language or the struggle to overcome was language here. It's kind of this busyness. So I think wherever you go, there's going to be a challenge to overcome, but mm-hmm. we can overcome the mm-hmm. challenges and we will, we will. We've yeah. only been here again, not quite three months. So we have to figure out how to get into the busyness of yeah. people's lives. <laughs> Meet them at basketball practice. <laughs> yes, we do. We just have those conversations. What, what words of wisdom do you have if a Christian mom, and by air quotes, Christian mom, I'm saying by me, <laughs> if I say, but Carrie, I don't, I don't know scripture really well. Like I can't remember where things are, what to say, and, or I don't know, you know, I don't want to be weird with people. I don't want to be, oh, Hey, let me tell you about my friend Jesus, yeah. you know, um, tell me, lay it on me. I'll lay it on you. I'll lay it on you. I'll, I'll, I'll actually say um, a Bible verse because I shared this with you earlier, but I think it, it really pertains to this idea of not wanting to be weird, of um, being hesitant to introduce Jesus to our friends or to a stranger. Um, 
in Matthew 15, Jesus is talking to Pharisees and um, religious leaders. And they're questioning him at first, like, why are your disciples doing things that they shouldn't be doing? It doesn't hold to our tradition. And Jesus is like, why do you ignore the commandments of God because of your traditions? So even going back to the idea of Christianity here in Texas being a culture or traditional in nature, Jesus goes on to quote Isaiah, and he says, Um, Isaiah says, These people honor me only with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. And so to that, I would say that there's there are the traditions of Christians in Texas, going to church, Mm -hmm. going to Bible study. Maybe you're in a home group. Mm hmm. Maybe you read um, awesome books like the Jesus Storybook Bible to your kids. Those are those are awesome, mm-hmm. but they're kind of traditional if they don't go anywhere else. So I would say sit with the Lord. Sit with the Lord. And the Bible also, t- also tells us that we can examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. What is it that's holding me back from wanting to share the gospel? Why do I care if I look weird? Why am I consumed with thoughts of, I won't have anything to say when the Bible tells us that when we get to that place, Holy Spirit will give us the words to say, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, the Lord is faithful. So we mentioned earlier too, that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. So when we have a new, you know, a change of thought, when we go in a different direction, that's repentance. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to that place. And so it's kind of this like coming to a place of repentance where we're like, I was afraid to look weird, but now I'm not. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I wouldn't know what to say. But now I trust you, Lord, to lead me and guide me and bring to mind exactly what the person in front of me needs to hear in order to have an encounter with a living God. Mm -hmm. You know? No, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's helpful. I think a lot of the things that stop me are things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be weird. I just met, you know, Susie from basketball practice, you know, Um, or... Say I'm with a group and, you know, obviously I'm not perfect and I sin and they've seen me sin. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a sin that isn't a hidden one. Like I can't hide, you know, like they wouldn't know when I'm jealous or whatever, right? Say I I had too much to drink one night and I got drunk in front of them. Mm -hmm. So who am I? Who am I to say something like about Jesus to them? I am just like, I think that, you know, these are things that pop into my mind and these are things I've heard other women in Bible study or wherever else. Um, so my question, I guess, for you is as someone that I watch that is so bold in their faith, what do you say to that? Like, I guess I'm waiting for a perf- moment to be perfect to share the gospel, you know? Yeah. Well, then you might wait forever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you're waiting for the perfect moment to share the gospel, you might be waiting forever. Kind of like... um you know, when people are like, I, w- I want to know enough of the Bible to where I, I'm not going to share the gospel until I know like my Bible cover to cover, or I'm not going to, um, I go to every Bible study available to me, but I don't feel equipped or, you know, like that there's this, this kind of, maybe it's epidemic. I don't know. There's this thought that we have to 
be super students in order to share the gospel. Yeah. That's not the example we have of Jesus's disciples. I mean, Peter is a wonderful example of we're going to mess up. Mm -hmm. And that's why all of us can relate to Peter so well, this disciple of Jesus that messed up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But there's always redemption. And that's another beautiful thing. And why we like Peter so much is because it doesn't just show this, this disciple of Jesus who messes up, but it also shows like the redemptive side of Peter as he mm-hmm. grows in in knowledge of who Jesus really is. And I think that that's our thing. Like we, um, we just keep moving forward. Maybe we mess up, we own it, call it out, ask forgiveness and move forward and, and keep in mind that God already told us that we are ministers of reconciliation and we are ambassadors of Christ. So we can go to Bible studies and we can get equipped in certain ways, but we don't have to do those things in order to be qualified. Jesus qualified us by his life, his death, his resurrection, and his promised return. That's qualification enough. We are qualified by him alone to share the gospel with whomever he puts in front of us. Mm. That's good. That's helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about now the going for someone who truly is a believer who has an intimate relationship with God. Like you said, we're all called to go and, mm-hmm. and to make disciples. Um, and then I feel like in Acts in the early church, like after, um, you know, Pentecost, they're told to go and, yeah. and, and share um, and these are like new believers, yeah. right? Um, so what is what does that look like? What does go and and share look like? You know, you just said something that reminded me of the demoniac. So he also, you know, this man who had thousands of demons, falls mm-hmm. at Jesus's feet, receives freedom, wants to follow, physically follow and go where Jesus goes. And Jesus is like, nope, turn around, go back to your hometown. Mm-hmm. You're ready. Mm. And we look at that and we're like, what? How can, you know, he hasn't gone through any program or anything like that. How can he be ready? But Jesus said he was ready. So something we talked about earlier was the, um, so I love, so I have this friend, Kathy, and she's the one that gave me the example of there are opinions and then there's convictions and then there's doctrines and our opinions are not doctrine. Our convictions are not doctrine and we can't interchange those, those things. Mm -hmm. Go it would be in the doctrine category. It's a command in scripture. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Mm-hmm. We also talked about today that go can mean just change position. Mm-hmm. Get up and maybe go to your backyard. Who knows? Your neighbor might be over, you know, looking the fence. Right. That might be the going for you. But I believe go is in the convictions category. Different Jesus followers will hold different convictions of where that go is. Mm. It does not always have to be an international move. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be a different state within the United States. It could mean going in your backyard, getting out of your house and meeting your neighbor that is, you know, working in the backyard, looking over the fence and having this conversation about Jesus. But, um, I don't feel that every Jesus follower is called to make an international move. Mm -hmm. I don't hold that as a belief. 
Um, I do believe that we're all called to go, Mm -hmm. but simply, I think that means change position today because I could actually going to Berlin isn't the answer. I could have gone to Berlin and sat in my home or been a house, you know, a housewife and mom in Berlin and never gone outside of my home, never shared the gospel. It's not just the going, right? It's going with this intention of making disciples, sharing. It's hard to make a disciple without telling of who Jesus is and what he's done. Mm. Um, and the sweetness of that verse, it always it said, and teach them the things that I've taught you. Mm. So even as believers, as those following Jesus, you've learned things from God that I don't know, and I need to hear them in order to see better the wholeness of who He is. Mm. And I've learned things from Him that you don't know, that when I share them with you, you see in a broader scope, who he is. So even here in North Texas with um, the assumption that everyone we know, they're Christians and um, we can still have these conversations. We need to have these conversations so that we're even making disciples of ourselves. So we have a broader picture, a broader understanding, this side of eternity of who God is. Um, And then it helps us when we go and we have conversations with people who aren't yet following Jesus, um, how to make disciples, because it says teaching them all that I've taught you. Mm -hmm. We have something to offer for those who haven't been taught the exact same things that we've been taught. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. It really is. Are there resources um, or tools to learn how to live this out in in practice. And I'm laughing because what everyone else doesn't know is we've been talking and Mm -hmm. you're someone who doesn't believe in strategy. (laughs) So is this going like against like, I I believe in strategy. Okay. (laughs) I'm not a very good strategist. Okay. That's fair. And actually I do have an answer to this. It probably isn't going to feel good. Okay. You know? Okay. Cause yeah. I'm OCD okay. and I, I like okay. a list. So yeah. yeah. Let's well, see. Jesus. Um, so my resource would be the Lord mm. and, um, and having relationship with him. I love that Jesus says that my food is to do the will of the father, mm-hmm. to do the will of the one who sent me. So the way that he feels nourished and fed and and when, what we know that food does to our body gives us the energy to go forward is to do the will of the Father. How does he know what the will of the Father is? He didn't have the scriptures in front of him. He has to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So being a friend of God is an incredible resource to go out in your everyday and know what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? Is it this person? Is it that person? Who do you have for me? But when we, when we're in this constant communion with the Lord, um, his spirit dwells within us. We have these like, Oh, it's this guy and say this to him. Oh, it's her. Go to this girl, share this with her. She needs to hear it today. So my resource would be the Lord. Really, honestly, my husband reads all the books on the planet. <laughs> I I don't have time to read 
like he does. I don't know where he gets the time <laughs> to read, but, um, you know, as a mom, we, we, if we wait until you have the time to read a whole bunch of books before we go out and share the gospel with people, yeah. we won't share we, the gospel yes. with, or I won't because I don't have the time to sit down and read, you know, 10 books on how to share the gospel as a mom in North Texas. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I just won't, I won't do it because I won't have the time to do it. But honestly, the Lord, I know that that can probably not settle well. Mm -hmm. But that's my answer. My answer is relationship with God. Is the, it's the utmost resource. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, I don't like your answer, mm -hmm. if I'm honest. It's okay. But I feel like your answer is right because God wants to talk with us. Yes. So... He wants to be in a community and yeah. in a deep, intimate relationship. He doesn't want us to be on a website learning how to talk about him, right? Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we uh, ministered to Muslims when we were living in Berlin, and we had lots of friends who wanted to know what books we suggested <laughs> that they read before coming on a trip. And I'm always like, none, because then you're going to develop a strategy and you're going to look at this person as if they're a project and you're not going to see them as a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother, you're going to see them as, oh, I remember this from this book. And you're going to speak to them in an outline form instead of like people, like, mm -hmm. you know, how we're talking right now, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Should I, should I practice saying, hi, I'm Vivian. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus or no, like, what do you mean by practice? Well, I mean, Okay. <laughs> I guess I bet. Okay. I'm already guessing what you're going to tell me, but should I practice in the mirror by myself versus should I just do it? Should I just go up to Susie at basketball practice the next time Caleb has basketball practice and, and say, hi, if you are in a small group or a home group, I think you can practice among your group. I think that that's, I think it's fun. Okay. We've done it with teens. Mm -hmm. It's kind of new language to walk up to someone in your own culture and yeah. um, home state and say, hi, my name is Carrie and I follow Jesus. But I think we need to do that. I think we need to break out of the mold because something's something's not working. Like what we're currently doing is not working. So we need to yeah. shift it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's simply that. Maybe it's introducing yourself as a Jesus follower and that automatically gets you into a spiritual conversation, or it should, mm -hmm. or it can. It provides that. Um, so we've had teams come, and we do this like role-playing because people are afraid. <laughs> if they've never encountered you know, a stranger that doesn't know the Lord, or specifically in Berlin, if they had never encountered a Muslim, we we had um, we would pretend like we were Muslim and we would have answers for the things that they would say. Role playing it's a great way to like practice. Mm -hmm. So in your home group, if you as a group or you as a family want to get better at having conversations about Jesus with strangers, go for it. I say say it until it just becomes second nature for you to introduce yourself as a Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. It's who you are. Yeah. It's who you are. So feel confident in yeah. it. You know, sometimes I'm like, I'm actually, my identity in Christ is actual, it's more reality than my 
earthly name. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's actually more real for me to introduce myself as a Jesus follower than say Carrie Campbell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. My eternal identity is real. And so I can feel bold and confident in saying, hi, my name is Carrie and I follow Jesus. Mm, That's good. It's good because I think it's just something that I personally need to wrestle with. Like I hate the question, oh, what do you do for a living? I've always hated that question, Mm -hmm. right? Like, because I'm like, are you asking me my life story? Like, or are you asking me what I do for work? Like, do you know what I mean? And so I think because I've already hate that question, I can see myself like practicing a little bit more on how I would be like, oh, well, my name is Vivian and I'm the beloved daughter of God, Mm -hmm. right? Because I have to repeat it like 5 million times a day. Uh, that's who I am. Yes. I am God's beloved child in whom he is well pleased with yes. because I don't believe it even till this day. Yeah. So, you know, figuring out a way to say, oh, are you asking me what I, oh, you weren't asking me about that? Like, were you asking me what I, what I do for a job or whatever? Yeah, and, and going back to the kindness of the Lord leading us to repentance, it's a change of mind. It's a renewing of our mind, mm-hmm. which we're told to do. Mm-hmm. So your identity is not in that job or as a mom or, you know, it is a daughter of the king. Yeah. It's who you are. Yeah. So it's just this idea of being absolutely comfortable in your identity mm-hmm. and in your role as a daughter of the king, a follower of Jesus a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador of Christ. Like it's who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. What does your then daily or even weekly relationship look like with God? Like, are you spending 18 hours out of your 24 hour day like in the word? Like, no, that's what all missionaries do. Right? They don't. <laughs> Um, something funny about that is the other day, Jacob was like, what is Sunday school? <laughs> Which was so funny. We were like, we're the missionary family, but we've never called it Sunday school at our church. Yeah. So we were like, there are some things that are really interesting when you come back to yeah. Bible Belt, Texas. Yes. You know, Jacob had heard the term Sunday school and he was like, what is Sunday school? <laughs> it was so great. So... Um, Misunderstanding number one of missionaries. No, I do not spend 18 of the 24 hours of my day in the in the Bible. Um, but we do start our mornings with prayer and worship as a family, as individuals, and for sure we're trying to establish here uh, corporately. Mm-hmm. Um, we would love to have it every day at our house that we're not a place where we have that every day, mm-hmm. um, with our corporate group, home group, people who can come, you know what I mean? Right. So, but we do in our home, um, have prayer and worship to start our day. My day, I feel like I'm getting to this point where often I'm in communion with the Lord, just like He's a friend going along with me here on my way here, um, walking through Target, mm-hmm. you know, um, picking the kids up at school. I feel like there's this sweetness of relationship with him where, and maybe the last six years in Germany, I had to develop that in order to come back into this busy environment, you know, to where I'm like, no, he's constant. He's always with me. He's the friend that never leaves. He's in the car with me on the way to, you know, the doctor's office. He's, he's a constant 
friend, companion, mm-hmm. and one that I am not eager for him to leave, you know? Um, so I feel like I'm always in this like state of prayer, like this state mm-hmm. of conversation with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I read my, the Bible. Um, I try to read it every day. I don't read it every day. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we do have prayer and worship in our home every day. Mm-hmm. We, um, when our kids were really little, we had like family devotions and that kind of thing. And, and that looks messy because people are messy and, you know, kids are running all around. Our kids are older now, so it looks different. Mm -hmm. It looks more like one-on-one conversations throughout the day. Discipling our own children is what we're doing right now. So I have two teenagers and an Mm 11-year-old. So my relationship with God as an individual has to flow into my relationship with my kids as a mom into my relationship with my husband. There's oftentimes too, my relationship with the Lord looks like I read a scripture. I don't get it. I don't understand what it means. That still happens when you're a missionary (laughs) and I go to my husband and I'm like, read the scripture. I've ever, have you ever like seen it through this perspective? So I still wrestle, um, through the text. I still, um, have questions, but I know better today, his character and his nature. And, and I know that he would rather I have this personal relationship with him than try to have a list of to do's, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, I kind of liken it to, you know, when you follow someone on social media Mm -hmm. and it's like, I could tell you what they look like. I could tell you how many kids they have. I can tell you where they live. I can tell you different places that they frequent, Mm -hmm. but then have you ever met them in real life? And you're like, you know, Oh, this is the actual person in real life. I see them. They're in front of me. I can smell them. I can mm-hmm. hear them with my real ears. You know, this is like the the difference between knowing the Lord and reading about him and studying him. Yeah, It's a real relationship. So I feel like I have this real relationship with the living God, Yeah, a daily relationship. It doesn't mean that I just read about him. It means I interact with him on a daily basis. I sing to him. I talk mm-hmm. to him. I praise him. I thank him. I don't just come to him whenever I have a need, mm. you know, but yeah. it's a daily interaction, daily um, encounters mm-hmm. with the Lord. Does that that. help? Yes, that helps so much. It's You shared with me privately earlier a story about you, say, you're in Target and about introducing Jesus. Yes. Can you say that again? Because right now you're making a relationship with God incredibly personal, like he's right here, Mm -hmm. which it should be, right? Mm -hmm. But I think your story of being at Target and and how to introduce, how to share the gospel is is a lot like introducing Jesus physically him here. Yes. Share that because I think that was really helpful for me. Yeah. I hope, I hope we can, um, I hope I can describe it in a way that is visual for listeners. So if two friends are talking, let's say in target, let's say the two of us are in target. Mm -hmm. We're having a conversation. Our kids are not around. So we're free to talk. (laughs) Um, and then one of your friends that you know, that I do not know walks up 
and um, starts talking to you, then your attention is turned toward her. And I'm left standing there just kind of wondering, like, should I walk away? (laughs) Should I stay here? Should I introduce myself? Like, Mm -hmm. when is she going to introduce me Mm -hmm. or is she going to introduce me to this friend that just walked up? Years ago, I had that as a visual with the Lord. I, I saw someone at Target, started having a conversation, and I physically felt like the Lord was next to me wondering, when, when are you going to introduce me? You know, Am I important enough for you to introduce me to this person? I'm waiting. I'm eager to learn who they are and for them to learn who I am. And so when we go about our day with this visual of Jesus is a friend. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is dwells within us, mm-hmm. eager for us to introduce Him to the people that He, Sovereign God, puts in front of our face. Mm-hmm. I think it helps. I think it helps us to have that on the forefront of our minds when we go about, go about our days. I mean... I think that's huge for me. I'm a visual learner anyways. Like I'm yeah. a flashcard girl. <laughs> I can take a picture, can tell you where where it is in my Bible yeah. and flip to it, but I yeah. couldn't tell you what the name, you know what yeah, I mean? Address. Like so yeah. anyways, um, that is so helpful because it puts a face to God. Like it puts him physically here. Mm-hmm. And I know this, don't get me wrong. Like these are things that okay. I know, Yes. but it, for some reason... I don't know. We need reminders. Yeah. It's okay. The Bible is full of reminders. And I think that that's so comforting because, you know, even us being here makes me remember Paul. Like Paul went Mm. back to places that he had started from and just reminded people, remember, this is who you are. This is your job. So it's okay for us as Jesus followers to be reminded, oh, that's right. This is my job. This Mm. is what I do. Yeah. That's amazing. Is there anything else that you would just want to share like with somebody, with me? Yeah, I think just the idea of your identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. um, just to really sit with him. Maybe you're journaling and ask him, how do you see me? Mm -hmm. What do you think about whenever you think about me? Write down the first thoughts that come to your mind I guarantee you they're going to be loving thoughts. I guarantee you he's, they're going to be like adoring words that he would speak to you. Mm-hmm. And and remind yourself daily who you are in Jesus, mm-hmm. who he is, King of Kings. Mm-hmm. He loves you. He sees you. He desires to um, be with you daily. And he's really worthy of us being uncomfortable opening our mouths and talking about him to strangers. Mm -hmm. He's really worthy of us changing our schedule a little bit so that we can make time to share about him with people. Yeah. Um, Maybe that means, you know, cutting out a trip to Starbucks to get a coffee in order that I share the gospel with someone face to face. I'm walking around a place and and I have the opportunity because I cut out that 30 minutes. I have 30 minutes here to share the gospel with someone face to face. I think just remembering um, our identity is huge in this in this area in the Metroplex, um, and remembering our primary identity as sons and daughters over wives and husbands, moms sisters, friend, neighbor, Mm -hmm. we are first and foremost, um, 
children of the King, Mm -hmm. Jesus followers, and what does that look like Mm -hmm. in our day-to-day life? Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm ending season two asking everybody this. Where are you currently finding joy in God? Wait, are you asking me this? I am asking you this. Okay. I mean, currently I'm finding it, which is so cliche, um, because his word says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy, Mm. but kind of goes with what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm quickly reminded because of the second international move where I can easily look for joy and Mm. not be satisfied, but absolutely in his presence. I really feel deep down this like gut satisfaction of joy mm-hmm. in his presence. When I when I go a little bit away from that, I can get super exhausted and frustrated mm-hmm. and I mean exhausted is usually my indicator that I'm not in his presence. Yeah. That I've gone off track a little bit, but um the scriptures do tell us that in his presence there's fullness of joy. And I'm reminded of that as we've, as we're still transitioning, mm-hmm. as our home is full of actually now six people who've just made an international move, that mm. we're looking for different places. And there's a lot of um, imitations that we could look to for joy. Oh, yeah. But his presence is where it's truly found. Mm. That's good. So in his presence. Yeah, thank honestly, you. Honestly. I cannot say thank you enough for sitting down and doing this with me. Aww. First and foremost, I've I've met you very briefly back at the village a long time ago, mm-hmm. but you just have this just very humble, open personality. So just thank you for being approachable. Yeah. Right? Like sometimes okay. I feel like I can put people on pedestals. Obviously, I have a bent towards idolatry, if you can't <sighs> tell. Um but thank you for being um, open and and willing to do this, so that I can just get some of your wisdom and what God's been teaching you, and just iron sharpening iron. Thank you for saying that. And I'll tell you again what I told you earlier is that I didn't, I wasn't sure if I had anything to offer. But the Lord is kind to remind us that our normal is someone else's radical. Same with you. Your your what's normal to you is radical to me. And um, my prayer is that someone can hear this and hear that what's normal to both of us mm-hmm. is radical, is life changing, and the Lord brings revelation mm-hmm. and wisdom and clarity to someone out there. Thanks for listening to the show today. Visit Always Working Mom com for show notes, resources, and more info. Please subscribe to our podcast and download each show by hitting the plus symbol or the download cloud symbol. Y'all, we want to get to know you, sweet friend. So join our community by following us on Instagram at alwaysworking underscore mom. Music is provided by Kabbalistic Village titled Funky Vibes. See you next time.